May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I've always felt sorry for Simon's mother-in-law. I've also harbored a grudge for many years against this little nubbin of a story. This morning in our reading from the Gospel of Mark, we hear about this poor woman and it's just a couple of lines. It's not even necessarily the point of today's Gospel, but here we are. We hear about this poor woman who is in bed, sick, with a fever, when her son-in-law shows up with a couple of strangers. One of them takes her hand and suddenly she's feeling better, but she's also cooking dinner. <laughs> now it seems to me like a break in a fever, no matter how it comes about, might earn a woman a couple of hours of sleep. This is apparently not the case. And she pops up from her sickbed and she hits the kitchen. Such is the way of women, I guess. Especially women in the first century, women who were defined by their relationship to the senior most male in the household. It feels like Jesus heals her in order to put her in her place. And that frustrates me. This week's healing story is one of more than 20 healings and miracles that happen in Mark. Healings and miracles make up more than a third of the book, more than any of the other gospel writers. And throughout the telling of these miracle stories, the gospel writer of Mark uses words like immediately and suddenly and all at once. There's a sense of urgency in everything that Mark reports, as if we are hurtling toward the cross with reckless speed that none of us can control. Which may be why Simon's poor nameless mother-in-law doesn't get a minute to rest, the poor dear. The story must move along. There's just so much to tell. Now, I have always been in love with the immediacy language in Mark. Partially, I think, because it adds to the excitement of these stories that are being told. There is no lollygagging around in these stories. There's no fat, no extraneous details, no moment wasted. In Mark, we are reminded that all of this is earth-shattering, groundbreaking stuff. It should leave us breathless at the hearing whether it's the first time we are encountering it or the 50th, like a great detective novel that won't let you go to bed before the mystery is solved, Mark wants you enwrapped. But here's what else this immediacy language offers us. We are reminded that Jesus sees healing that's something that cannot wait whether it's public and in the synagogue like we heard last week or private like this week's in the home healing, whether it's a man or a woman, an adult or a child, an individual or 5,000 hungry souls. So this immediacy puts into perspective the healed woman's service 
as she gets up so quickly out of bed and serves them. Her healing cannot wait, and neither then can her service. In my studies for this sermon this week, I read that the Greek verb that is used to describe this service is diakonio. It's the same word that the gospel uses to describe the angels who serve Jesus in his 40, after his 40 days in the wilderness. Diakonio is the same word the gospel uses when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Diakonio is, in fact, the same word that we use for an order of ministry for those who serve at the table, who read the gospel, and then take the gospel out into the world. Deacon. It's the Greek root of the word for deacon. And so, what if in her healing, what if in her restoration to wholeness, Simon's mother-in-law recognizes her as diaconio? What if Simon's mother-in-law what if Simon's mother-in-law is not an undervalued woman in a patriarchal system, but actually the church's first deacon? The very first person that Jesus liberates and then commissions into service for God. If this is true, if her healing path leads to her calling, I would say she's stepped several steps ahead of the disciples that Jesus called from the seashore just a few weeks back. Because while Simon and the gang are bumbling around, trying to figure it out, getting in Jesus's way, she is getting to work without hesitation, without self-consciousness, without even getting any credit for it, without a name. She does the work that is given to her she moves the ministry along. Now, earlier this week, I told my husband about learning about the connection of this word, diaconio, and how it threads its way through the Gospels into this story. When you meet your spouse in seminary, you can have these kinds of conversations, <laughs> and they feel very exciting. What if she was the first deacon? I asked him. That kind of changes everything I think about this story. He looked me dead in the eye and said, hmm, sounds like you learned something new. <laughs> sounds like you had your mind changed. Friends, don't meet your spouse in seminary. <laughs> I was a women's studies major in undergrad. I see most things through a fine-tuned lens of justice for those whom history and society have trod upon. It is often a thoughtful academic lens, but it can be a hot-headed lens. It can be a quick-to-judge lens. I wasn't there when Simon's mother-in-law was healed of her fever by Jesus's touch. I have no idea why she chose to stand up and serve the men in her house. If she resented it, 
if she was bullied into it, or if she just, in her exhaustion, filled her expected role without fighting about it, or if she cherished it, if she relished the opportunity to diaconion, to serve the man who healed her, that she recognized as God among humankind, if in her service she found a vocation and a meeting and a meaning and a place for her gifts, an outlet for her love. I just assumed. And an afternoon spent reading helped me understand the use of language in the passage, helped me see her in a whole new light, diacona, deacon. It's so easy to assign motivation to anyone. Like Mark's signature storytelling, we live in a world of immediacy. We want all of our news the minute it happens, and we cast opinions just as quickly. They deserved it. Well, they shouldn't have been in that neighborhood. She shouldn't have been wearing that dress. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. We assume. We judge. Sometimes based on what we believe as a thoughtful position, sometimes as a hot-headed desire for schadenfreude, we make ourselves the most important voice in a story as soon as we hear it. And when we do that, we fail to listen for the voice of God, an invitation to look harder, to listen more closely, to research a little bit more, to open eyes and hearts to what may not be obvious, but may very well be a deeper, more important truth. This year, Simon's mother-in-law, maybe our first deacon, our first ordained servant minister has reminded me to take a pause to breathe in the midst of immediately and suddenly and all at once, to open the eyes of my heart to what else might be happening, what else might unfold. And I invite you to join me in this practice. This is much harder work than just giving over to the eye rolling and snap judgment Snap judgment is not only easier and much less time-consuming, but it protects us, doesn't it? It protects us from caring about people with whom we might disagree. It protects us from having to question a long-held personal doctrine. It protects us from having to shift to understand a new worldview, to stretch, to accept, that two truths can live side by side. Stretching ourselves this way does not mean accepting things that don't make sense for us, but it does mean listening for them. Stretching ourselves in this way certainly does not mean allowing things into our lives that will actively harm us or harm our families. 
but it does mean trying to understand perspectives that are new and unusual. It does mean making space for people and ideas that are uncomfortable to see if we can expand, to see if we can draw the circle wider rather than cinching it in to suit ourselves. That first deacon, that nameless woman cured of a fever who rose up ready to serve has reminded us that we can do better. We can be raised up into a new wholeness. We can be cured of that which infects us. We can live to serve the world into a new way of being. Amen.